0: Another episode of Overcomplicated. Um, so this one is going to be really different than normal. This one is just going to be me speaking. Now um, tragedy struck, unfortunately. Um, you see, Tim got sick, and then he got sick again. So we weren't able to meet up like we originally planned. And then the following week was Thanksgiving, so we all had plans, and so we didn't want to miss an episode so we're gonna try something new this is a solo episode just me and i'm doing some book recommendations um i've read all five of these books i really really like them and i really hope that you'll give them a chance too um so yeah um but before i get into that if you like the idea of us posting weekly even if it means only one of us talking um go ahead and send us a message, comment down below, recommend it to your friends, see what they think. Um, Maybe this will become more of a normal thing where we can actually do weekly content instead of every other week, you know. Um, Now that being said, the solo episodes are gonna be way shorter than what we're used to. But anyway, on to the book reviews. So none of these books are in any particular order. I just went through my Goodreads account and just saw some books I really enjoyed, um, certain books that just stuck out to me. And so the first one that we're gonna read or go over is the men we need by brant hansen now if it were up to me and i mean it kind of is but i almost just did a brant hansen book recommendation because he's written four books and all four of them are spectacular. I cannot recommend them enough, but this is the one that I read most recently, and I also think it's so applicable to today's world. Um, so, The Men We Need is not your stereotypical macho man um, book on how to be a real man. Like, it is a book on how to be a real man, but it focuses primarily on being what Brant Hansen says is our first calling by God, which is to be keepers of the garden. He says this is man's original calling that, you know, when God created Adam, he told Adam that he was in charge of the garden to tend it, to take care of it. And so he talks about men in this book in a very tender hearted way, but not in an emasculating way. Um, he talks about that we need to stand up for what we believe in, that we need to protect the, the, the garden that God has given us and who is in our garden and what is in our garden, Right. So that can be our family. That can be the responsibilities God has given us. And it's just awesome. Like it, it's, it almost had me in tears so many different times um, just reading the book. And not to mention that all of it is very realistic. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of it's challenging, but that's that's part of it. You know, going through life without challenges isn't Possible, Like, we have to learn to go through with that. And, and the book is just so encouraging. So, anyway, here's a quote from the book just to kind of give you an idea. The people in your neighborhood, at your school, or at your workplace should be safer because you're there, even if they don't know it. I really like this quote because it doesn't talk about, like, going out and getting all this glory and, you know, just being awesome and everyone being in awe of you. They should just feel safe and protected because you're there, even if you're not getting any recognition for it, that's OK. The goal is to take care of the garden, right? not to attain glory for yourself. And while it's not wrong to be recognized every once in a while, sometimes we focus too much on that. Anyway, I'm, I'm also going to give you a bonus quote. You will struggle with feeling meaningless when you choose to invest your time and energy in meaningless things. And this one um, spoke to me on a pretty deep level because I've, I've spent a lot of time investing in things that don't really matter, and they aren't fulfilling. They don't help, you know. And so, so I have felt and made life, you know, meaningless at times. And <laughs> this quote kind of ties it all together. And it's always something that I knew, but just to see it written out and called out is just super helpful for me. So, anyway, if if you're a guy listening to this book recommendation, <laughs> I would so like to recommend this book. You need to check it out, especially if you're a guy, and if you're a girl, also check out this book. This book is pretty solidly for guys, but honestly, if you're a girl, um, this is an awesome book to see how the men in your life should be. Now, I'm not restricting to this to like, you know, oh, this is the kind of husband you need, while that is true, if you're seeking a husband, he should definitely show some of the qualities in this book. But this book talks, doesn't talk about just husbands. It talks about blanket statement. This is how all men should be. <laughs> so check out this book, male or female, it's an awesome read. The next book on my list is called A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. Now. C.S. Lewis is pretty well known for his Chronicles of Narnia series, but he he wrote tons of books and this is probably my favorite. In this book, he talks about the death of his wife and he just writes down all of his thoughts, what's going on, It's, it's, it's an awesome personal account on grief. It's essentially a journal that was later published because it was so helpful. How C.S. Lewis processed his grief was, for the most part, healthy, right? He was honest in how he felt. You know, we, we always like to, you know, romanticize grief and just, you know, oh, I'm going to be so strong even though they died. And that's not the case, you know. When someone who is that meaningful to you passes away, it's going to hurt and in this book he talks about his grief and it's devastating if there's anything from this book that i think i got is it's okay to grieve it is okay to experience sadness and sorrow and it's inescapable we will all at some point or another experience this grief and you know for i, I may have said this in an earlier episode I got my master's degree in biblical counseling, and we focused so much on grief and how to grieve. And this so, this was actually from that class, the uh, trauma crisis class, I think, I, the, that I took. And so we were supposed to read this book in one week. And then at the end of the week, we were supposed to write down, you know, how well do you think he processed his grief, right? And there are like subtle nuanced things that he could have done better. But overall, how he expressed his grief was fantastic. And this is such a helpful guide. And for those of you who maybe you have lost a loved one and you don't know how to process that. First, I'd like to recommend going to a grief counselor. That's awesome. It'll be very helpful for you. Second, I would recommend reading this book you are going to see so many similarities from your own situation and from what he experienced when his lovely wife passed away. Unfortunately, um, I don't have any quotes for this book. And I also don't have any quotes for the next two. Sorry about that. I probably should have been better prepared for that. But anyway, um, I do have quotes for the last one. Anyway, our next book is called Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. Now, um, this is probably the shortest of all of the books, um, because it's basically Timothy Keller doing an in-depth analysis of the story of the prodigal son from Scripture. Um, and in this book, it's this is essentially just an excellent study on the prodigal son, right? And he goes in depth to explain every meaning. You know, I, I think probably the thing that stuck out to me the most, and honestly, it's been a long time since I've read this book, but it still sticks out as one of my favorites. But anyway, the, the thing that sticks out to me the most is probably the fact that he, he pointed out that in the story of the prodigal son, when the when the prodigal son returns and is about to ask his father, you know, if he can become a servant under his own father, right? His father that he insulted and abandoned. But what it says is that the father runs to the son, right? And how in that culture, in that day and time, that is such a demeaning and dishonoring thing for a father to do to their son, right? Because the father in that culture is the head of the household. He should be respected. He shouldn't lower himself to anyone. But in this story, this father runs to his son because he loves him so much. This son who not only left him, but also insulted him and essentially said, I wish you would die. Give me my inheritance now, right? And and so this book, it, it's in, in, sorry, that's something that I never noticed before, right? Like I've heard sermons on the prodigal son before, but you know this book, um, probably because also I was able to sit down and focus and read and really just tune in um, by reading rather than <laughs> getting distracted in church as sometimes I do. Um, but this book is just an excellent study on the prodigal son. Highly recommend it. You can read it in a day. And now this next book, if you're a young Christian man who went to church and, you know, to youth group in the early 2000s, you have definitely heard of this book before. It's called Every Man's Battle by Stephen Arterburn. I, I think I'm saying that correctly. Anyway, um, so Every Man's Battle is an awesome book for avoiding sexual temptation, right? Um and when this book was written in the 2000s the internet was still fairly new right and so um, the issue of internet pornography wasn't nearly as prevalent as it is today and so recently they released a new edition that adds an extra couple of chapters specifically talking about internet porn right and like you know how do we handle this how do we avoid this in fact going to give you a little bit of a a little bit of an advertisement here our next episode is going to be on the topic of pornography so you know when we said we're going to do a serious episode in the future you didn't think we'd go that serious now did you anyway back to the book review so every man's battle um is essentially a young christian man's guide to avoiding sexual temptation it's you know i think the thing that sticks out to me the most is the idea of bouncing your eyes right because men are very visual when it comes to um, sexual things Um, and, and so it's the idea of like if you see an advertisement that makes you feel uncomfortable look away you know if there's you know something that is a little too tempting for you bounce your eyes away from it you know look away and that in my personal life that's been super helpful for me I've read this book twice now one was the old edition and one was the new edition and i gotta say the new edition is definitely worth the read even if you read the old one go ahead and pick it up again read the new one it's definitely more relevant today even when it came out back in 2000 and my last recommendation for this episode is called spurgeon sorrows by zach swin in this book zach swin basically um talks about um charles spurgeon dealing with depression, which whenever you read Spurgeon's actual writings, it's so obvious to see that he definitely dealt with melancholy and depression, even though this wasn't really a time when it was officially a diagnosed thing, right? Psychology was kind of on the rise here. Um, or not too terribly popular this time. But anyway, um, in this book, um, he basically brings... What Spurgeon said and how you know he handled his depression but also with a little bit more of a modern take and seeing like see he really knew what he was doing in order to handle his depression right now what I loved about this is that even though Spurgeon did every single thing right to handle depression he still had depression It didn't leave him magically, right? And this was clearly a man of God deep in the scriptures, right? And he still had depression. And also, just reading the book was so encouraging to me that, you know, um, I've spent a lot of time in prayer and in study and being like, you know, Lord, help me with my anxiety. Lord, help me with my depression, which frequently go hand in hand. A little mental health tidbit for you. This book normalizes sorrow but not in a negative, sinful way. It normalizes that sorrowful experience that we have. It also is non-condemning. This book doesn't seek to make you feel bad for, you know, having depression. In fact, I got a couple of quotes on that and I'm gonna share at the end. In fact, to make up for my lack of quotes thus far, I'm gonna read several from this book. Um, But, you know, ultimately this book is awesome in the sense that it provides comfort in seasons of sorrow. Because it lets you know and it reminds you that you will have these seasons and it's okay. There is hope in the end. You will be through, be able to get through this. You will find comfort. All right. First quote. In this light, contrary to what some people tell us, sadness is neither a sign of laziness nor a sin, neither negative thinking nor weakness. On the contrary, When we find ourselves impatient with sadness, we reveal our preference for folly, our resistance to wisdom, and our disregard for depth and proportion. Quote number two. Often then, feeling unable to do what our responsibilities demand, we are harassed by accusing and condemning thoughts regarding our every mistake and blunder, both real and imagined. We can finally go numb. It is as if we shut down and feel so much that we feel nothing at all. And this... Next quote, quote number three, is probably my favorite from the whole book. Depression can so vandalize our joy and our sense of God that no promise of his can comfort us in the moment, no matter how true or kindly spoken. And this one really speaks to me because sometimes when someone comes to you to try and provide a comforting word, it won't help in the moment. You know, sometimes I think when people try to help others who struggle with depression, they want it to be a one-time conversation and then magically you're healed and in this book that zach s wine has written he talks about how that's not really practical you know sometimes you just need to sit and weep with those who weep anyway so that's it for this episode i hope you enjoyed it Um, again, kind of like what I said at the beginning of the episode, if you think we should do more of these little mini episodes in between our full episodes, let me know. You know, one week it'll be the three of us, the next week it'll just be one of us. If you like the way that sounds, awesome. Comment below, send us a message, you know, smoke signal, actually I can't read smoke signals, don't do smoke signals, but anyway, find a way to contact us and let us know if this is something you want to do. Anyway. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time on Overcomplicated.